So we're actually going back to the same scripture. So that's good. We'll go back to Galatians 5 and 6. We're going to go in there. What I want to start off tonight is um, we're going to talk about the kingdom. So I want to start with a story as we get into Galatians. And we're going to read Galatians 5 and 6 as part of tonight. But many years ago, I, um, when I was at Bible school, I was doing many different jobs I'm trying to survive and, and be part of that. And my parents had gone through a very uh, intense financial time. The church that they were at, at that stage, the denomination came to them. And after not paying them for six months, said, listen, I think it's time for you to go now as well. And so they had not had a salary for that six, longer than that. And it was just an intense financial time. We both, me and my sister, was at Bible school. And so I was running different jobs. And my sister was waitering. And I was waitering and looking after children and working paint shops and cutting down trees. And if you've been in this church, you've heard all my crazy stories of what I did to, to get money. And even at Bible school, I was a barman. I was one of the best barmen, but I was still going to Bible school. So I would be, I would, I would be yeah, let's not get into that story. But the context of that was I, I was just doing all these different stuff. And then I got to a place where I thought, like, okay, well, maybe I need to get a proper job and, and now stop just doing everything, okay, from painting windows at Christmas time to, to kids at school and all this stuff. And it was giving a good income, but I needed a better job. And so um, I went, and one of my friends was working for an equipment hire company called Lamson's Hire. And so he said, sure, I can get you a job. And I was like, wow, this is fantastic. I'm going to I'm going to work at this equipment company. And I remember my dad, way back when he was young, worked at a drilling company. So it was kind of like some things that were similar to construction. And I thought, oh, this is going to be cool. And 23-year-old guy, get there, and they asked me, what salary do I want? And I had no idea how salaries worked at that stage. I'm like, what I say is what I'm going to get out. Never. <laughs> you understand? Like that is not, You say, I want this. That's the, the amount I want. And you don't realize. You should say, that's the amount I want out. But I learned that quickly, that that is not the truth. So the guy said, how much do you want uh, coming to work here as a, as a higher controller? You're going to work in the shop. And so this is many moons ago. I said, 3,000 bucks. I was like, yes, this is going to be a lot of money. And eventually I got like 2,000 bucks a month out. And that's like I could barely survive on the 2,000. So even now I've got a job and a permanent job. I got less than what I looked after children and were a bomb and, and everything else. This is literally very many, many years ago. And in that time, two, after two, three weeks of working there, so there, people come in and they rent drills and, you know, some of the stuff, like ladders, lawnmowers, all this type of stuff, and working with this um, in this shop. I'm standing there, and the one day, all my big bosses come work, walking in. It's a big company. They've got 24 different branches, very big company. They walk in, and they've got, like, police with them, and, and they call the, my manager and the driver and the, the cleaner and the, uh, the mechanic all to the back. And I'm like, what in the world's going on? And I just see the, my, my manager walks past me, and he hands me a phone. He says, clean it. And I'm like, what is going on here? This is crazy. So I grab his phone, and I just... Press or something. It was old. You didn't have to do a lot with a Nokia 5110. You can just do snake and numbers. But whatever I needed, so I cleaned whatever SMS there was. I just cleaned it all off for him and just stood there. And the police took them out, escorted them out, and they were gone. And so here I'm standing alone in a shop. I've been working for a few weeks. I have no idea what 
the basic stuff that I got to help sign a contract for somebody or do that. And suddenly they all get fired for theft. What they had been doing was taking uh, bits that were um, they used in breakers and these very expensive steel that is not being used completely and they would write it off and sell it to others. And so they were caught on camera doing all this, um, this illegal stuff. So now everybody's gone on this young lighty in this massive branch that runs the entire northern section of Joburg, and here I've got to suddenly step up and run this branch. So my area manager comes and he works with me for another week, and he says, after the week, we've got a new driver for you, a new what's-her-name. You have now been uh, promoted without an increase on your salary to run this branch. And within a few weeks, I suddenly went from somebody who was just helping out in the shop to somebody running that branch at the age of 23 years old. And so I was one of the youngest guys in this company doing this. And in that moment, they said, like, we need to see that you've got the capability to go further in this company. I'm getting somewhere with this. I'm just telling stories tonight. <laughs> but in that moment, I went from being an immature boy, a young man who just was a waiter, and uh, to have to step up to the moment and actually do a job that requires responsibility that requires something of integrity, that requires hard work. And so there was incentives, and I, I like that kind of stuff, where if, if your branch is number one, you get extra money. So I'm like, I'm going to make sure my branch is number one. And so what happened is, in a question of a few weeks, I was getting there earlier than everybody, than my team. I was making sure all my contracts was in place, that if the, they had these guys that would come around, of the company that walk in, and they walk in and they do this to the counter, and then they, they mark, and they walk to the door. Your entire, as remember, this is working with construction equipment, that your place must be spotless. They must look down at the counter, and they must see the reflection of their face. That's what they require. And so we put extra effort. I'm going somewhere. Just stick with me. Extra effort, and I stayed longer, and I made sure my stock take was good. And then a week later, I hear, okay, so I'm, I'm in the top three of the company. I'm like, wow, I'm just, I've been working here maybe two months. I'm in the top three of the company. Wow, this is incredible. And then the boss shows up, and he says, listen, this branch, I think, is a little bit too big for you. There's another branch in Midrand. Would you be interested in being the branch manager for Midrand? And we'll give you a company bucky. So I'm like, wow, that's amazing. Still no more money. But at least I've got a company, Bucky, now. I can have a van and I can drive this truck around. And so I jump into that and I start working there. And I take it to number one. And a few months later, they pitch up again. And they say, like, wow, you're doing so well, 24 years old, doing great. Would you want to run our original branch in the middle of Houghton? Would you be the branch manager? And we'll give you a 1000 bucks extra. And I'm like, 1000 bucks, Yeah, baby. <laughs> now thinking back, I should have asked for 5000 bucks back then. But I moved back to that branch, and I, start, and I start working in this branch, and, and it grows, and it becomes good, and we do all these great contracts, and we work with big companies at that state, WHBO, and all these construction companies. But in that moment, in that time period of my life, I was going through this motion of learning how to be a king. Now, God comes, and Jesus comes to you connect the two now. When Jesus leaves, he said, the kingdom of God is at hand. 
When he teaches us to pray, he says, let thy kingdom come, let thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. There's something about kingship that if you don't get into a place where you learn how to operate as a king, you can never truly understand kingdom. What I mean is we don't live in a kingdom. We live in a republic. In the context of who we are, if you're from, from a, the Zulu tribe, you would have a king, and you may be from a tribal, but in the context of the normal South Africans, we don't live with kingship or a king that rules over us. So kingdom is something that's very foreign to our understanding. And as I was thinking about what grace and freedom is called, we're talking about Freedom Day, is if I come to a child and I say to him, here's the car keys, please go take the car and drive it around and go buy us some milk, the six-year-old is definitely going to have a trouble driving the car, right? But a lot of time what we do is we want to come to God and say, God, give me the keys of the car, but I have no understanding how to drive the car. I have not put any time and effort in. I have not grown and matured how to drive this car, but give me the keys to the kingdom. It's been given, but there's a road to walk how to get there. There's some responsibility that I've got to learn. There's some effort I've got to put in. There's, there's some mistakes I've got to make. There's some stuff that I've got to clean up. And I was, as I was thinking about the story of my life, thinking about this time period in my life, I was forced to get a different mindset, to stop being the, the au pair and the waiter and the barman and the tree filler and suddenly become a branch manager for a company. I had to step into a position. I had to leave that quick fix mentality. I had to put extra effort in. And in the extra effort, something started changing in my life. And I started becoming a bit more mature. And I started growing in what I understood at that time period of not just being a lighty, but being a man. Because something was asked of me. And so when we come to, when we look at what God is doing right now, is He's asking something of the church. He's saying, I want you to mature, but it's going to cost you something. So here's where I'm going with this. I was looking at this clip yesterday, and the guy said the following words, and it rocked me. It's like the words of the wilderness, and um, what was those words we were using this morning? Sometimes, oh, the unbelief. Sometimes you're in a wilderness until the unbelief leaves you. I mean, that was such a good statement this morning. And this guy says the following he says, sometimes God will ask you to give him something. And if you struggle to give it, you have put your identity in it, and then it's your idol. If you, God will ask you some things. He will ask you to let go of some stuff. He will ask you to, to give him some stuff. He will, he will ask some stuff. We'll see that throughout the Word. And when I struggle to give it, I've put my identity in it, and then it's my idol, because my identity should only be in Christ. If my identity is in anything else, I'm going to struggle when I miss it. I'm going to struggle when it's taken away. I'm going to struggle when it fails. I'm going to struggle to go through what that is, because I'm part of a kingdom, the kingdom of God. And so in, in that kingdom, there's different principles. See, when you get born again, you get born into a kingdom. You are now not of this world. You are of God. You are of a kingdom. You've been put in a certain position. Now I've got to learn how to operate in that position. First time I came into that place, I didn't know nothing. I didn't know how to manage stress because one of the things that they asked us to do or what you're supposed to do is you have a driver and you have a list of stuff. Then that guy's got to go out and deliver stuff and pick stuff up. Apart from the fact that people are coming in and renting stuff at, at, the, at the shop. 
Now, when a company who spends millions at your company calls you up and says, I need to have something exchanged now, every hour that thing is not exchanged, the company loses money. So you've got to organize everything, make sure that van, you've got to plan. Now he's in Pretoria, but he's got to go to Centurion, and then he's got to go back to the head office. So you've got all this stuff. You've got to suddenly step into a position and know how to manage that position, how to manage that driver, how to be and put those things in place and make sure that guy gets there. It's forced something of you. I didn't know how to do that. So I had to learn how to do that. I had to make some mistakes. I had the big boss on the phone like, what are you? Who's had those moments in a company when you work for a boss and for something or, or when it was back in the waiter and the owner gets there and you, and you did not focus on what was going on. And so here's the thing. When you come into the kingdom, there's a different set of rules. There's a different way of living. There's a difference of what it means to be a Christian. And I think for generations upon generations, God has been trying and the Spirit has been calling and the Spirit's been leading to take the church into the full understanding of the kingdom. But for generation upon generation, we've been stuck in systems. We've been stuck in identity and other things. We've been stuck in natural things instead of spiritual things. And the maturity of the church has been lacking Last year we talk, spoke a lot about maturity. Maturity is that place where, where you're asked to do something and act a certain way. That I, I was looking at young David and Aaron, how David is now a prefect at school, and suddenly he's a prefect at home too. <laughs> and Zorin uh, was saying, like, Yo, sometimes you've got to say, hey, hey, you're not the boss of this house. I'm the boss of this house. Don't come. But he's now in a position at school where he's got authority. He's learning new things. He's been, he's been asked off to be a certain leader. Now it's starting to affect his life. You see that in a small child. How much is that even more when it comes to the understanding of the kingdom of God? Being led by the Spirit. Do we know what that is to be led how do, we, how do we, I'm not saying you don't know, but how do we really rely on that? All I, uh, I said on Sunday, like, we grew up in a denomination where everything was, and some of you might have come out of it, everything was about going to the pastor, going to the pastor, going to the pastor. And nobody did it for themselves. The pastor's everything. The pastor, and, and I, I believe in the honor, I believe in what I honor other pastors, or pastors honor us, or whatever that may be, but the context was it was all about what can I get? Never about what you can do. Never your authority. Never growing up completely in that. So let's read here in Galatians. Let's go to Galatians 5. Verse 1. Stand fast, therefore, in the liberty in which Christ has made you free. And do not, and do not, there's no suggestion, do you see there's a suggestion? No. Do not be entangled again with the yoke of bondage. Do not get back into bondage. Stand fast and free. But here again, if freedom is my portion, if freedom is what it is, you got the freedom, go. Here's the freedom. Here's the key. Go drive the car. But I still don't know how to drive the car. I have the freedom and the ability at any time to do it. Let's use this as an example. I can go to my dad right now still and go, we're a certain age, and I could have got, Dad, can I borrow the car? 
Let me say anytime. So it was always free from a dad, but the dad was waiting for the son to mature. It's always free, but maturity unlocks the privilege to walk in a certain authority. So when we understand what that is, stand fast in your freedom. Grow in this freedom. I'm not going to go back to bondage. I'm not going to go back to what that is. My identity is in Christ. I'm building this. He says, indeed, I, Paul, say to you that if you become circumcised, Christ will have profited you nothing. That means going back to law, being back into the the law thing. Um, Let's go further on verse 6. For in Christ Jesus, no circumcision or uncircumcision avails anything but faith Working through love. In Christ, what, what, how do we access things in Christ? Faith through love. Faith through love. My faith is connected to love. Then go up further. Verse 13. For if you, brethren, have been called to liberty, only do... Um, Only do not use liberty as an opportunity for the flesh, but through love serve one another. So it's like, you're free, but don't operate in the flesh. Don't get into that fleshly stuff. Get into the spirit. You're free. Even if you do that, God can't be separated from you. But operate in the spirit. Stay away from the fleshly stuff. Get into the spirit. Get into the... Now he tries to help you, show you how to get there. He says... Uh, for all the law is fulfilled in one word, even in this, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. Verse 16, I say then, walk in the Spirit, and you shall not fulfill the lusts of the flesh. What? Walk in the Spirit. Now, the moment we use this word, lust, the first place your mind goes is sexuality. Right? But lust is also what somebody else has and you don't. It's a lust of the flesh. A lust of the justice. Lust is a desire outside of time. That's what lust is. Lust is that desire outside of what it is in the fulfillment of God. That's why when we talk about lust, it hasn't just got to do with the context of sexuality. It's got to do with something of the desire of the flesh, a desire for something outside of season. That's where lust operates. It's not waiting on God. That's why when he talks further down here, he talks about the fruit. One of the fruit is what? Patience. Guys, patience. Good fruit to have. When I don't, I'm operating in lust because I'm desiring something that's not in its time. That's outside of what that is. So he says, yeah, if you walk in the Spirit, you will have no desire of the flesh. There will be no lust for that. There will be no lust after what that is, because in the Spirit, it's fulfilled. In the Spirit, it's there. Um, and so when we were speaking to somebody the other day, and this person, um, this couple who had just gotten married, um, they're, they're going through this process of, they really want a child, and, and they really have this desire, but they've just gotten married. And, and so the weight of the desire for something that they want right now is starting to have an effect on their marriage. You hear that? Can I maybe put this word there as lust? <laughs> that doesn't sound like lust, right? But it is a desire for something that is outside of God's time. When it's God's time, you just come into the peace, and God will do the rest. 
So we're in a place where it's like, he says, if I walk in the Spirit, I shall not have a desire for that. What it means, I don't lose my desire for the child. I just come into his rest. Remember, we're, we're talking about two operations. The one side is suddenly we're, we're moving into a position. Now we've got to learn how the kingdom works. Europe was a slave. Now I'm a king. How do I operate in the kingdom? That's what we're talking about is kingdom tonight. Let thy kingdom come, let thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So kingdom operates differently. So when it comes and it says, no, I don't find my identity in it. My identity is in him. God says, no, you can't do it. Okay, Lord, my identity, I'm not going to get moved by that. My identity is in you. And when it is no, and I feel it's hurting, I'm like, ah, I got to get my eyes back on Jesus. I got to get remove what that is and look back to him because my identity is in him. My peace is in him and the fruit is from him. That's where the fruit flows. It says, walk in the spirit and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. For the flesh lusts against the spirit and the spirit against the flesh. And these are contrary to one another so that you will, uh, so that you do not do the things that you wish. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. For the works of the flesh are evident, which is adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lewdness. And he goes through all the list. He says, what are they? They are evident. And what are they called? Works of the flesh. It's called works, not fruit. You're a child of God? Yes. That means you have the fruit of the Spirit. Fruit comes natural. Works are external. Fruit comes from within. Works are external. It's evident. You can see it. It's seen things. But he goes to the fruit of the Spirit. It's internal things. Different things are his perspective. He says, don't get into the lusts of the flesh. If you're in the Spirit, this stuff will not have a thing on you. He's writing to, is this letter to Galatia, right? Church of Galatia, it's Galatia, to the Church of Galatia. It's not to the prison of Galatia, no? It's not to the newspaper of Galatia. It's to a church. And to the church, with birds on it, no, I'm just kidding. And to a church, he says, yeah, hey, kill the birds. No, that's not what it says here. It's what I'm seeing in my heart. But if you're led by the Spirit, you shall not fulfill the lusts of the flesh. <laughs> okay, so when he says here, adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lewdness, idolatry, sorcery. Yes, guys, he's writing about sorcery to the church. Yo. It says, it says it's a work of the flesh. It means that somewhere something can come in. Something could be distracting. Something could act in that way. But he says, guys, don't get into that stuff. That means there's a possibility you could. There's a possibility that some of that could somewhere distract you, could come in. And there's, oh, and there's a possibility of murder here too. Envy, murder. Yo, yo. A possibility for me to murder? Come on, guys, let's put the right thing at the right time with the right stuff and the right combination of a bunch of things in your life that gets to a point where that might have been something that could be inevitable. But he calls that works of the flesh external, not internal. Who you are is child of God. Who you are is in the kingdom. But he doesn't want you to go there. He goes on to say, um, for those who have practiced these things will not inherit the kingdom of God. He Listen, let me just put something out here. 
Kingdom of God and heaven has got is two different things. Kingdom of God and heaven is two different things. Though the kingdom is operating in heaven, he's not saying here that those who practice these things, he's writing to the church, will never go to heaven. He's writing to Christians. I'm not saying that he says that every murderer is going to go to him. He's writing to Christians. He's like, there are some stuff in the flesh. And my dad's been ministering to guys in prison. I've gone to minister to people in prison. People that have done some really crazy stuff. But they were Christians. And they messed up in their life. And went through a process of things. And then ended up at a place where they're now serving a sentence. But in that place, they, what did they do? They were They murdered. They, they fell into lust of the flesh with money, theft, all these things, and ended up in prison. What does he say? Those who walk in this will not inherit the kingdom of God. What did Jesus say? The kingdom has come. So what's kingdom? You are now in the kingdom, right? Aren't you? You've been saved from, from darkness into the kingdom of light. So if the kingdom is one day, then, then we're not in the kingdom. But you are in the kingdom, and the kingdom has come here. Let thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. So where am I going with this? I'm going to understand that we once were slaves, a way of living that operated in a certain way. But now we're into a kingdom, and in the kingdom is the kingdom right now. Where are you seated according to Ephesians? In heavenly places. You're going to get there one day, or you're there already in that heavenly place now? You're already there. So there's something of the way I should live that should be operating differently. Kingdom is different. Operating in the kingdom is I can learn how to operate that. It's not the same as the worldly stuff. Philippians says, don't follow these worldly things, the principles of this world. Come on, there's something different in the way I operate as a king, as a king in the kingdom, in the authority of Christ, in what that is. But we have not operated in that. The fruit has not been a part of our life. That's why all the stuff that he writes to them finds its way into the church. And we find that people mess up and leave the church and are out there and end up in the craziest places. Why? Because they've never really stepped into a place of knowing how to operate in the kingdom. What is kingdom? What is that that God has taken? That's why we believe Ephesians chapter 4, to equip the saints for the work of ministry. Equip you in your life. Equip you to run your thing. Be that. How to operate that, that branch. How to operate in that which God has given you. Because the second part of what he says, you shall not inherit the kingdom. It means you're not going to walk in what the kingdom is. You might be saved, but you'll never live the fullness of the kingdom now. You might have been saved, but you never live the fullness now. I don't want to wait for heaven to live in the fullness of God. I want to walk in the fullness now. You want to walk in the fullness, right? We want to see the things that God has promised. We want to do the greater works. We want to see the glory of God fill the earth. We want to operate in that way. And then he goes on to say, But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against there is no such law. And those who are Christ have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. For if we live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit. Oh, wow. Two different things. If you live in the Spirit, now walk in it. So live means that's who you are. 
You live in the Spirit, you have spiritual life. But now it needs to walk out. Now it needs to be something that I live in and walk in every single day when His glory is with me, when the fruits are coming out of my life, when His presence is with me. I'm led by the Spirit. The Spirit leads me. God says, don't do that. No, I'm not doing that. I know His voice. I know His voice. And He leads me. I shall not want. You get the power of what that is, is, yes, I touched on some negative stuff, but that just shows you how far we've gone and where we need to be. Old Testament, God sends a man who doesn't have the Holy Spirit in him to walk into Egypt and bring an entire nation out of Egypt, massive signs and wonders, and yet the Holy Spirit was not living inside of Moses. Was Moses great? Phenomenal. But he did not have what you have. Was Elijah great? Phenomenal. He did not have what you had. Jesus stands and looks at John the Baptist and says, He is the greatest of all the prophets. But the least in the kingdom is greater than John the Baptist. Okay, wow, wow. No, no, we, we still have not found. I still have not found that yet. The least in the kingdom? That means, let's talk about what the least is. The least is somebody who's just had a revelation right now, who's just given their life to Jesus. The least, meaning it's the first, that, the, the, the smallest, if you would say, the one with the, the least amount of understanding. That person who just says, Jesus, I want you as the Lord and Savior. Shoot, born again. The least. The one with the least amount of understanding of kingdom. They are greater than John the Baptist. Of all the prophets. So that means the guy who just got saved right now is greater than every single prophet that had ever lived in the Old Testament. Wow. How long have you been saved? How long have you been saved? How much do you know? How much has the Spirit walked in your life? How much have you seen prophetic? How much miracles have you seen? You're greater than any prophet that had ever lived. But yet we have not operated in that kingdom principle. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth. We have not seen the trueness of the fruit truly manifested through our life. Talk about the fruit of the Spirit as if it's a personality trait. As if it's just a nice thing to do. When the fruit of the Spirit, the fruit of the Spirit starts manifesting through me, it is God to shake people up. When patience truly comes through me, when long-suffering truly operates through me, people must be, be touched by it. Because the fruit of the tree isn't just for the tree, it's for those who eat it. The greatest in the kingdom, or the least in the kingdom, is greater than any of the prophets. And I love the story of the prophets. I love how they operated. I love what they did, the amazing wonders, the, the, the powerful stuff. When I just says to... to um, what's his, his servant... That's the word. So he says to, he says, hey, got all these guys around us. What's going on here? And a prophet who's least than you says to the man, Lord, open his eyes so he can see. Suddenly the man's eyes are open and he just sees chariots of fire. Hey, hey, how powerful is that? He goes up and the bold prophets, and when he says, Lord, send fire down right now. Fire comes down, consumes it. Moses stands and opens a sea. Hello. 
Peter walks on water? Have this become fairy tales? Or is there power in what we read? Is, this, is, is, there, is there more to this that we see that he says, come on, walk in the Spirit and the lust of the flesh will fall away? And I realize that a lot of stuff that we're living in, I'm living in, is lustful. Because it's desires for stuff that's not of God. And just, Lord, I'm just, I don't want to, I want your spirit to be my identity. I want you to lead me. I want you to be the one that guides me and shows me. And so that I don't, I don't miss what that is to truly operate in the kingdom. What is kingdom? And Holy Spirit, teach me how to live in that. How do I operate in that? How do I find that culture of what kingdom is in the earth right now? Because in that operating, that kingdom, things are different. Things are different. You know, there's been many times that things have happened and you think sometimes you deal with it and then you get to a later age where you realize, man, a lot of stuff I just carried around in my heart and I never really dealt with it. And so one of the things the other day was with Hester and we did a sozo and we were just going through some stuff and she's just like, man, I feel sure there's some stuff in the spirit that you haven't dealt with. And so we started talking and, and I started realizing, wow, man, there's, there's some stuff that I desire justice against those people. Where I feel like, Lord, zap them. If you really ask me about those people who did stuff against my family and against me and against this church and many years ago and I, when we were going through, like in the, like you, I would say, yeah, I forgave them. <laughs> I forgave them, but Lord Jesus, get them. And when I hear something bad happen to them, yes, that's even better. And I, I, I literally, a man, a pastor that went up publicly against us, tried to split our church down the middle in one of another town. It was crazy. It was such tough stuff. And I heard literally two weeks ago, in this thing that God's dealing with me, this man has lost everything. And you know, the moment I heard that, joy filled my heart. Just being honest, because he hurt us so badly, I just went, gotcha, yes. Which is, and I, in that moment, the Holy Spirit said, hello, do you want the same to come on you? That's not how you operate in the kingdom. You still got stuff in your heart, boy. That's not good. Why, why do you want justice for that? He's my child too. I'm dealing with him, but I can just as well be dealing with you too. And you're like, Lord, Sorry, I need to check my heart. I need to check my heart for that. Because if it's part of my conversation, it's not out of my life. If I get joy because somebody else got hurt and those people hurt me, that's not kingdom. It's not kingdom. It's not the fruit. It's the lusts of the flesh. And those who are led by the Spirit shall not fulfill the lusts of the flesh. They're not. So if you live in the Spirit, walk in it. I've got to make a decision. Do I just want to be saved and, and be going to church and, and live in the Spirit? Or am I going to walk in the Spirit too? Am I going to be led by it? Am I going to operate in those, in those things and be that? Henry shared his story. Uh, some of you might have heard, I think, when he was preaching here, said how he was thrown out of the church and how he had to go back to that church with um, the other pastor and how tough that was for him to go back there. 
And he had to walk in and, and look at the people that hurt them. That guy that, that, that one said that about my wife. And now he's got to stand there and go, hello, praise you, Jesus. Wonderful to see you. That's tough. But again, is my identity in my hurt? Or is my identity in Jesus? Because if I can let, because now, Lord, take my hurt away. No, no, no. If you take my hurt away, you're taking my identity because my identity wasn't what was done to me. And so we, we, we let that go. And we be that. And we're like, okay, that's great. If you live in the Spirit, walk in the Spirit. So how do I live this life? Walk in the Spirit. Walk in the kingdom. I can't preach all kingdom tonight. There's so much more. But let the Spirit take you and show you. What are we doing? We want to teach you how to live in the Spirit. How to walk in the Spirit. So that you, every day, can walk in that Spirit. And not fulfill the lust of the flesh. There was a pastor, and I'll end with, can I end with two stories? One story, we're half past. We're done. Okay, we're done. Pastor that we knew many years ago. Youth pastor of a town up on the West Coast. And me and him, man, we had a lot of fun together. He was a bit older than me. And, and when we, in Afrikaans, on youth camps, he was always in it. Um, we, I remember on this massive youth conference, my first year out of, second year out of school, I had just finished my service year for Christ. And so I'm now my dad's youth worker. Uh, and I run the youth, and so we take an entire bus full of youth down to this youth camp. We're all there, and we decide, man, we're going to just make, create chaos tonight. We're just going to do something that just, we're going to do the Mardi Gras tonight, man, at 12 o'clock. We're going to wake up this camp. So I get him and his youth, and we're all on the bus, and we've got people on top of the bus, and we've got drums on the bus. And at 12 o'clock, while everybody in the camp is sleeping, we take the bus, and we go, music ramming, and we're just out in the streets of this campsite, and people are freaking out. The pastors are running outside. The one pastor who, I mean, I, I believe he hated me with a passion. He was my leader from where I was. He came running out in his slob shorts and in, in a gown, and like, what in the world? Satan is on you. What are you doing? And this pastor, we had so much fun. It was just such a fun time, and they, they called my dad and said, your son is crazy. What is going on? It was just craziness. And we just created so much chaos at this camp. And this pastor was there, and, and he was just full of life and full of Jesus and, and just going through things. And, and what happened is the enemy found a little split in the armor and went straight for his heart through circumstances. And over years, he allowed those things in to come into his life. And what happened is he started living in offense. He started living outside of what God had called him to. And he was living in, and ended up that he was here in our church for a while. And he had gone through some really tough, he's lost his church. He lost his wife. He lost his children. He, he just, everything was just chaos. And he ended up here again. And we started bringing him back into restoration. But his identity was in his hurt and not in God. And so the more God was saying, let go of the hurt. Let go of the hurt of the church. Let go of the hurt of your ex-wife. Let, let go of all these things you're going through and coming. The, the more he did not want to. And I found him the other day. He did not recognize me. I barely recognized him living on the street. He had fallen so far 
And a man who used to be one of my great friends, who used to be having such fun and touching youth lives and being part of that, is now living on the street. Because he allowed somewhere for kingdom not to be the focus, but for the enemy to come in. And, and this is a letter to the church with words of the fleshly things. Not because he's against it. He's saying, those are the things that's going to affect you, and you will not inherit the kingdom. You'll not live in that. Because you've allowed Satan to have that one little foothold in there. Just like. And I spoke to the, uh, this one gentleman. And he said, like, wow, man. So you're the pastor of the church. And your dad's a pastor. So it's interesting. Um, we were on a call with, with one of the internet providers for this church. And did a video call. And one guy on there, he said, explain to me who your church is. And I started telling him. And he says, like, I grew up in church. But I, I very rarely find pastors' children being in ministry. It's not something that happens. I said, yo, me and my sister. And she's like, wow, that's great. So it's like both of you following in your parents' footsteps. Usually that doesn't happen. And you know why it doesn't happen? Because a lot of pastors' kids go through that motion. A lot of Christians do. Is that something happens to their parents or to church or to something, like that, and they take it to heart. If I and her, my sister, had to have been in that place, where we would never be where we are today because so much has happened. But by the grace of God, we had parents always dragging us back to the heart of the Father and not to the offense of the people. Offended so many times, hurt so many times, disappointed so many times, over and over and over again. And, and I can tell my sob story or I can tell the story of victory. Because there's a lot of sob stories we can get into and really truthful. If we put it on the court in front of a lawyer, meaning if God was the great judge, Lord, there's the judge, the justice was be ours. Undeniable. Johnny Depp. Oh, sorry, I'm joking. Um, <laughs> sure, that I should not have gone there. <laughs> it's the first court case I could think of. Rachel just shaking her head. <laughs> Undeniable truth. You're now I'm blushing. I don't know why. <laughs> Let me just focus. Yeah. I, there is. There needs to be justice on it. I found like, come on. It's, we've been done so many times on those different things. So if I had to bring that before a judge and put there is this. There's the case. We would win the case. But God says, leave the case. Just come to me. Leave it. Just be me. But that, no, because if you hold on to that thing, that thing is lust of the flesh. Leave it. Follow me. Let the fruit be in your life. Let go of the things that are evident, the works of the flesh, because it's works of the flesh. Leave it. Be with me. Pastor Corey, that's here, the place the saxophone. When the church split and the guys were, and I was a youth pastor and, and things were just going rough, there was one of the guys who had said, I will make sure that that pastor never eats. I was like, whoa, what words? You're so offended with this pastor because he's following the Holy Spirit. Two weeks later, he, was point, he pointed his finger at the pastor and said, you, I will make sure you don't even eat. Two weeks later, that finger was gone, chopped off by a chainsaw. I promise you, I was very happy. I'm just being honest. I was like, see, don't point your finger at God, man. But God was like, hey, 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 hey. You could just have been in the same place because how many times have you said in the flesh, I wish that would be with you? Get out of that place. The lust of the flesh be led by the Spirit. If you live in the Spirit, walk in the Spirit. Every bit of what it is, not just half of it, all of it.
Isn't it hitting home now? And I can tell you today, you'll, you'll run the race with endurance. You'll make it to the end. You'll see the goodness of God in your life. You'll see what God will do. Don't hold to what those offenses, because that offense, that stuff, I just feel in the spirit, that stuff that we carry with the, the fleshly stuff that gets us distracted, shake it off. Shake it off like, I wish I could go back and sort that out and sort that out. And that was done to me. That thing happened. No, Lord, I look to you. You are my source. You are my strength. You are my right. You are the one that I stand on. I let go of that case. I hold to you. Because I want to be led by the Spirit, for they are the sons of God. The authority is there. That's where the victory comes. So let's just close our eyes for a moment. I felt tonight, that's why I started with that story. I felt this afternoon as I was just preparing my heart and the word for, for what God wanted to share tonight. I felt that God, and, and that clip that I watched, that God is a, that in some areas, God's going to put you in some, some uncomfortable situations to grow you. What I mean by that is not, God doesn't want to make you uncomfortable, meaning there's some growth about to happen. There's some stuff where he's going to ask you, cut off that, stop that, don't do that, just let go of that, be there. Because he wants to build your identity in him like never before. I believe what God is setting up in 2022 is going to have a major effect for the rest of this decade. The rest of your life. The rest of what it is. And, and some of it is God saying, Lord, but I really want that. And God says, no, stop it. That's not for you. Or, Lord, I want to give up on that. And God says, no, come on, that is for you. But, Lord, it's difficult. No, I want you to come into my rest. I want you to wait on me. I will do it. Lord, that's been done to me, and I really want justice. And God says, let go. I truly believe there is this growth about how there's kingdom. God wants to teach you how to operate in authority and, and trueness of the kingdom. Led by the Spirit. Led by the Holy Spirit. Father, I just release that over people tonight. I release this word. We'll be led by your Spirit. Led by your Spirit. Lead us. Grow us. Mature us. Teach us. We want to hear, we want to know, we want to listen. For if we walk, if we live in the Spirit, we want to walk in the Spirit. And we know that will not fulfill the lusts of the flesh. I release that tonight in this place. Freedom, 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 freedom. Stand fast in the liberty that you've been set free. Stand in it, stand in it. Freedom, freedom. I think God's just shaking you loose out of a comfort zone. God is shaking that identity. God is turning that around. God is bringing some things about, going, come on, there's more. There's more to what this is. There's direction. There's life. Thank you for it, Lord.
I thank you for it, Lord. For your plan is beautiful. Your plan is awesome, Lord. God is not clueless with your life. If we look at how perfectly he has created everything, don't you think that he has a plan? Or that he's, don't for one moment think that he does not have a plan with your life. That there's no purpose in that. But that you should listen to him. Lord, you lead me. You guide me. Not my will, but yours be done. Not my way, but your way. I open my ears because I am led by you. I am led by you, Holy Spirit. I thank you for that tonight, Lord. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name, shiktolobuyen, vektorodobushara makila masutu. In Jesus' name, I thank you for it, Lord. Amen.